Do you ever hear the alarm go off and think, ugh, five more minutes? Well, you are not alone. Welcome to the Life as a Team Sport podcast, where we will take the concepts from sports and apply them to everyday life. So whether you're an athlete, a former athlete, the mom of an athlete, or just love watching sports, we invite you to come along with us as we explore family, faith, fitness, and have a lot of fun doing it. This is a podcast by the women of sport for the women of sport. All right. Welcome back to the team room. We have a fantastic episode for you today. We're excited to be here. I'm here with Becky. Hello. 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 So, Beck, I don't know about you, but um, the cicadas here are finally starting to die off, which I know is a very unique thing to this area, but they have been making me insane for the last couple of weeks. So any listeners that are in like the Maryland area, Montgomery County specifically, they're so loud. And the other day they kept landing on me in my son's baseball game. Anyway, do you guys have cicadas? No, we, well, you know, we, I think we do, but only like a few. Like, I can hear them once in a while. So, no, okay. we don't have them like you have them. Because I did watch the news about that, and I was like, yeah. oh, it's gross. No, they're yeah. insane. Like, I was talking to a friend of mine, and she was like, yeah, like, I'm out of windshield wiper fluid because I keep hitting them on the highway. Like, they're just everywhere. Ew. Yeah, no, no, no. Huh? Not Anyways, that bad. Yeah, they're starting to die off, which is good, because then we have 17 more years before they come back. So It's true. <laughs> true. I must not have them then. Maybe I'm thinking of those bugs that they make noise. In the trees, but they're not really oh, that bad. Oh, no, no. These are, every, they're like flying roaches. But yeah, no, we don't have those. Icky. Yeah. We don't have those then. Anyways, um, today we have a friend of mine on the show. Um, she and I have gone to church together for a really long time. And her two girls are the same age as Logan and Caleb, um, which is fun. In fact, one of her, her older daughter and Caleb have the same birthday, different year, but the same birthday, um, which I thought was also super fun. Um, She did the Daniel challenge with us. And so I think she's going to talk about that a little bit, um, but I'm really excited to have her on the show. So welcome to the show, Carrie Loggis. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, me too. I'm glad you can be here. Well, listen, um, we have a lot of great stuff to get into. To do that, we want to hear something from your highlight reel. All right. Um, I, you know, I think that my on my highlight reel right now is just getting to see people again in person. And um, that has just brought me so much joy these last few weeks. And I um, get to see my parents next weekend, which is, oh, it just thrills me beyond belief. I haven't seen them. Well, I guess, so the last time I saw them was um, we met in December along the Pennsylvania Turnpike in a McDonald's parking lot to exchange Christmas gifts. So like they drove two and a half hours, we drove two and a half hours, and that is all that I've seen them. So um, I'm thrilled to welcome them to my home and just we get to have a fun weekend together for Father's Day with my dad and I'm just oh I cannot wait yeah wow I know it's crazy just to think about the amount of time and interactions and human connection that people have lost in the last year I went into a store earlier today actually and wasn't required to wear a mask and I was like where am I like rock on what, what is happening yeah but like that's just, for me, it's just evidence that we're slowly starting to get back to normalcy, right? And being able to be together with people and see people. And, and uh, it's just really nice to start getting back to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Yay. Well, I'm with you, Carrie. We're going to go see my parents at the end of June and they live out in Washington state. So they're far away anyway. I, I don't see them that often anyway before COVID, but um, so I'm really excited as well. So I'll see them in a couple of weeks and haven't seen them probably in two years. So wow. it'll be, it'll be really nice to just see them. I'm with you. I was that girl. I was that friend who was at the window, like watching the mailman go by and be like, when do I get to get out there again and see people like this is, that's definitely my personality. And so um, I hear you. There's something about the whole face when you can see the whole face. Yes. So, yay. Well, enjoy your visit with your parents. That'll be Thanks. nice. I'm looking forward to it. I hope for good weather. All right. Well, um, just as an aside, do you have cicadas at your house? At my house? Yes. I have a ton <laughs> of them. They are, it's, oh my goodness. I went someplace today and we were, we went to this museum and a lady, the, one of the docents, she warned me, she's like, just so you know, you have a cicada on your back. And I was like, <gasps> and um, thankfully my younger daughter, she doesn't mind them. So she was like picking it off my back, but the docent was like, maybe you should go outside to take care of that. And I was yeah. like, oh no, she'll just, she'll carry him outside. Like she's, we're not just going to like unleash him inside the museum here. Don't worry. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm, I'm so ready for them to be gone. I oh my know. goodness. It's, it's wild to me. Like the places that say they don't have them, you know, like we'll play okay. sports teams from different places. And some of the kids get so freaked out because it's like, they've never seen them before. And I'm like, these things have been around for the last like four or five weeks, but if they don't have them in their area, then it's, it's all new and yeah. different. It's just funny. Right. I have like this garden, vegetable garden and I won't go out there to water. I'm so thankful for the rain that we've gotten because there's like <laughs> netting all around it. And the cicadas have like made their home on the netting and it is, Oh, it is just so gross. Like, cause it, like I have a little door that I need to like unzip to get into my little garden area okay. because we have a lot of deer. So that, oh. that's the only way I can grow, grow any vegetables here. And, um, but I'm so grossed out. I'm like, I, I told the girls, I said, I'm so glad it's not harvesting time because <laughs> like, I just don't want anything to do with the garden netting right now. <laughs> I know they'll yeah. be gone in a couple of weeks and we'll be back to normal, but it is the weirdest phenomenon. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's bizarre. Yeah. You can keep them. Keep them your way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before we get into hearing about your experience with the Daniel plan and some of your other things you've learned, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background with sports. Sure. Um, I have been married for 22 years and I have two daughters, as Patricia mentioned. So I have a 12 year old and a 14 year old. Um, I work in real estate and I I guess when I was a kid, gymnastics was my main sport, but I know that sounds, it was much more recreational back then. <laughs> so it just, I don't remember it being a pressure cooker or anything like that. I just remember it being fun. And um, I competed on my high school team and that was, um, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, but I did. I also had a little brief stint on the church softball team because my husband thought it would be a good marriage building experience. Yeah, it was not. Yeah. It was not. <laughs> so I dreaded the weekends. I am terrified of the ball. They made me catcher. And it was awful. It was awful. Yeah. My husband, he he told me that I would get a new pair of shoes by doing it. I didn't realize that those were going to be cleats he was going to gift me, which <laughs> that's what they were. So he bribed you and it, was it wasn't awful. even a good bribe. Awful. It was awful. Yeah. So that's my other experience with sport. <laughs> but I started running in 2013. So <laughs> that's sort of, uh, you know, my main thing now. Yeah. <laughs> was. 
Oh my gosh. So I know. So was, right? So we're going to get into that here in a second. But first, um, tell us a little bit about the Daniel Plan Challenge and why you chose to do it and maybe kind of what you got out of it. Sure. Um, so I, uh, the day that you guys released the podcast where you were talking and introducing the Daniel Plan Challenge was the day that I found myself at 1030 in the morning devouring an ice cream sandwich at 1030. And I was like, oh my goodness, like this, I just, this can't go on. Like, I don't like this. It doesn't make me feel good. Like Mm -hmm. it just, and um, so I thought a reset was just what I needed and that this might be just the thing to do it. Um, Perfect timing. Yes, it was perfect timing. And I've done like a sugar detox before um, for 30 days. I think I've done that like three different times. Wow. And um, so I, I kind of know how to regulate and how to be really disciplined about food for a short period of time to reset. And it does really make a difference um, Mm -hmm. longer term. So yeah. Um, Yeah. So maybe talk to us about that. What did you get out of this time around? I know this time was only 10 days. It wasn't 30, but um, what, what did it do for you? This time I feel like I was able to give myself a little more grace um, because like I knew that it was over the holiday weekend, which y'all warned us about, but my holiday weekend included a soccer tournament in Hershey, Pennsylvania. So that um, just lent itself to some challenges with Hershey world and all those fun things that come along with Hershey chocolate things. Chocolate things. So, um, so I didn't, I didn't get beat myself up when I wasn't able to stick with the plan, which I think like old Carrie would have been really upset with herself and beating up. But because of the group messages that we had, I really felt like, you know what? It's okay. It's, it's fine. I'm not going to break all the rules all the time, but it's okay that I don't do this perfectly. Um, And so for that, it was, it was really good. And I really, I liked the spiritual component of it as well. Uh that to me, um, because I think that food has such a big part of our lives and it impacts how we feel and how we feel impacts how we think and just rolls into everything. Mm -hmm. Um, just really gave me a chance to be more aware of God and be listening for him more, be looking for him more, Mm -hmm. um, and just be really leaning into what he was doing and what he wanted me to hear what he wanted yeah. me to see, what he wanted me mm-hmm. to do. Like, just think that there's something about when we are hungry and we are, that, I don't know. Or not that I was like hungry in the sense that I was famished, but I was hungry. Like there was just, I felt different. I felt oh. um, just more in tune with him. So yeah. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Well, no, I get that. I mean, we're such emotional beings and many of us associate food, right. With our emotions. And so if we're eating how like instead of eating the chocolate cake which would you know feed my emotions in the moment then mm-hmm. I'm going to concentrate on something else and having that spiritual component there um you're right like I I totally get that I think that was really helpful yeah no I, I really enjoyed it and I thought it was um I thought it was good I think that doing the Daniel plan challenge was also just changing the rhythms and it's just sometimes it's good for us to do that yeah can I ask you a quick question about the Daniel plan did you incorporate it with your girls and husband at all? Like, did they, did they, did you talk to them? Do they, cause you said you've detoxed more than once from sugar, which I'll definitely have to get you off, off the grid on this one. <laughs> cause I've thought about doing that, Carrie, but I, I mean, 10 days was hard for me. So 30 days, you know, but again, did you, were your girls involved? Like, how did you do that as a mom of, of your, that yeah. age group? 
they knew that I was doing it. Um, and they, um, and they've all lived through doing the sugar detox. My husband and I had done the sugar detox together um, twice or no, the three times that we've done it. Sometimes he was more diligent about it than I, sometimes like we can balance each other out with it. Um, and I think that that was a big help because I knew how to eat. Like I knew, I knew that I was going to be in the kitchen shopping vegetables a bunch and, and that's like, I think just the practice of having done it, it's, it takes so much less time for me now than it did the first couple of times that I did it, just knowing how to shop mm-hmm. and what I can like, okay, if I really need something sweet, you know what? Trader Joe's sells these raisins that are no sugar added. So I can have those that are kind of like candy, but there's no sugar added. So it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just knowing what I can have and what would be helpful is, is, is help is just helps me get through it. But, um, and my kids were supportive and my husband was as well. Um, when we were away, uh, for the soccer tournament and we went into a Panera and they told us, they were like, well, just so you know, it's going to be an hour at least before we can get you your food. And I was like, Oh no, I was going to have a salad from Panera for dinner tonight. Like, shoot, I don't know now what we're going to do. Um, and then the only place that was nearby and I had a famished soccer player on my hands. So, um, was a five guys, well, there's yeah. nothing good there except they, <laughs> Lettuce. Do, they, Lettuce. <laughs> they do have a grilled veggie sandwich. So I was like, well, I guess I'll just have some bread to have the sandwich. So like, that's what I did to do the best that I could. And they were like, oh, I'm so sorry, mom, that, that we can't like get to some place where you can eat. I was like, I'm fine. This is going to be just fine. <laughs> yeah. Like it's going to be okay. So they, they were very supportive of it. They didn't really participate in. That's what I was wondering too. (laughs) There were, you know, one night we had, um, we had like seafood pasta night and I made spaghetti squash instead of, you know, they were making pasta, but, or they were eating pasta, but I was, and I was having spaghetti squash, which is a great substitute. So, Mm -hmm. and, um, but yeah, they're fine. But yeah, they no more (laughs) veggies than I absolutely forced them to. Yeah. Okay. Just wondering. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Good. Good. Well, um, and I know that you have been an avid runner for a while, um, but you had to stop recently because of injury. So tell us a little bit more about that and what this past year has been like for you. Well, it's been an interesting year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but my injury started in 2019, actually. So it's been like two okay. years. Um, I was training for a half marathon and I knew I was injured um, and I had dealt with some tendonitis in the past. And so I sort of knew what that felt like, but I was like, well, but I paid for the race. Like I'll just rest when it's done and just take a few weeks off and it'll be fine. So I ran injured. It didn't like, I was able to function normally. Um, it was, it was just sore, but once I got running, I didn't even feel it. So I, that was my fault complete. I should have just not run in hindsight. That's don't run injured people. Don't do it (laughs) (laughs) because it took way more than just a few weeks off Mm. Um, for the past year and a half, like a year and a half after that, I was trying physical therapy. I was trying having my foot in a boot for like six weeks and then um, just trying rest and just trying all these things. I just thought, Oh, it's a soft tissue. It'll heal. Like if I just give it some time and I was, I saw a few different doctors and um, it just, it was not getting any better. And Um, there was a tear in my posterior tibial tendon. So it wasn't just tendonitis. Um, and, but still we were trying to 
get it better on its own. So we would try more rest, more boot wearing, more, you know, all these things until finally like late last summer when um, we just realized that it was time to operate and um, fix Mm. it for good. So um, I was at one doctor and he said, here's the deal. If you were in my family, here's who you should see. (laughs) And so he gave me the name of this ankle Mm -hmm. specialist that he knew. And um, so I went and saw him and he, he tried to do some more things with me before, you know, we tried cortisone shot. We tried just Mm -hmm. all the things. We just tried everything to avoid the surgery because it was a pretty big surgery. Um, So I, tried all that. And then about, I guess it was early September that my husband and I, we were like, this is just ridiculous. Like we should just do the surgery. So, um, so we did. And so September 25th, I had flat foot reconstruction surgery with a tendon transfer. And, um, I was non-weight bearing for 10 weeks and I spent another six weeks after that in a boot and, in like one of those little orthopedic shoe things that they Mm-hmm. Um, have you wear? And so I was like not driving. I was, I mean, it was, oh, it was, it was a rough, yeah, <laughs> it yeah. was a rough season. Um, and then last week I had to go, or last month I had to go in for another surgery just to have one of the screws that they had put in my foot removed because it was causing so much pain and discomfort, mm. um, for that. So, um, it's been wow. quite a journey. So don't run injured. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't run injured. Um, but honestly, like my husband, he was the real MVP because for everything that I couldn't do, he had to do everything. And it ended up being such a blessing that we were in COVID because he was not traveling for work, which he in normal times would have been doing. And there's no way we could have had me recover, um, without him being here. So, I mean, he did all the cooking, all the cleaning, all the driving, all the, I mean, he had to drive me to physical therapy, Mm-hmm. all the time. And so he would just bring his little hot spot and he would drop me off. He couldn't go in because of COVID. So then he would just drop me off with my little scooter and, um, and then he would sit in the car and get work done. And then when I was done, I would send him a text saying, I'm coming down on the elevator and he'd swing right back in the front of the building. I mean, it's just, he just did so much that was helpful. Plus we had just an army of friends that um, provided meals for a, like way longer than we thought they should. They were so kind. But that was such a blessing mm-hmm. to free my husband up so that he actually could have some downtime because it was a lot. Yeah. Well, two years of trying to figure out the puzzle, right? right. Or at least a year and a half of trying to yeah. figure out the puzzle. How did that affect you emotionally? I mean, I know that has to wear on you, right? After a while. Yeah. You know, I felt like I was being really selfish in a lot of ways because I like, I, it, it was always a part of something we were doing. I was either in between appointments, like waiting for things, or I was, um, it it just felt really selfish, which doesn't feel good to me. Um, And it, I also felt bad because like with my kids, we were like, boy, we sure are glad we're not planning a trip to a national park to go hiking this summer, because that would have been a real bummer to miss out on that. And um, and then I was like, gosh, I really want to be able to do that kind of stuff again. So I've really got to get better. Uh, but you know, it just, I guess in hindsight, it was like, I was always working towards something and I recognized that avoiding the surgery because it was such, um, an intense surgery and recovery. I mean, the recovery is still going on very much. So, um, that, you know, it just, it, it was good to go through that process, but it was hard and it was hard to kind of grieve the loss of something that I enjoyed doing. 
Um, yeah. So what is the prognosis for recovery? Will you be able to run races again? I don't think I'll be able to run the miles that I used to run. I okay. hopefully will be able to run some again. I don't know if I would race. Um, we'll just have to see, but you know, it's, it's just one of those things where I do like when I am driving through the neighborhood and I see either somebody I used to run with early morning, or it's like one of those perfect running weather days, mm-hmm. um, you know, makes me a little sad. Yeah. I, yeah. I gotta, yeah. I'm on my own path. I got to figure it out for myself. And mm-hmm. right. So where are you at in your recovery? Um, well, I was, I was getting to the point before the second surgery where I was jogging a tiny bit on the treadmill, like during a walk, I would be able to jog for like two minutes out of 10, um, really, really slow, but, um, you know, and it's just trying to evaluate things. Um, but I haven't been able to do that since the second surgery because that was not even a month ago at this point. So, um, I'm just back to riding the bike at this point. And I think I, I took I took two walks this week of like a couple of miles at a time just to see how it would feel. So I think I'll, I think I'll be back to doing some jogging on the treadmill. I would love to be able to jog on the track at some point this summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you still have hopes of being able to. A little bit, a little bit would be good. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, um, I know, you know, the loss of something you love is hard and, you know, the hope to be able to do it again, right, is, is nice to have. But in the meantime, what are some things that have gotten you through this process? Um, I think part of it is I'm sort of wired to be more optimistic about things and to not let my brain park on the things I can't do, mm-hmm. but rather to think about what I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that has helped okay. get me through it. Have, yeah. you, have you found anything that you enjoy that you didn't think you would enjoy in this time of not being able to move as much as you sound like a mover? If you're a runner, you're probably a mover. So yeah. have you found anything that, that, that has just sparked an interest? Like, I don't know, like Sudoku or reading something or even a show that's not just something that's kind of a curiosity. You've just been looking at something or. Um, I haven't picked up too many new hobbies. I think I've, I've done more like little video, like workout video things Mm -hmm. of like working my arms or working my abs or working my legs, like, um, and taking walks with friends. Like I try once a week to like, just text a friend that I know is walking their dog anyways to say, Hey, (laughs) you know, if it works on my schedule, then, you know, to see if I could just join them. Cause I know that those kind of activities are good for my rehab and they can be, um, you know, it's just important to have that socially, which is if I was running, I wouldn't take the time to do that. I was just thinking that God's going to connect you with women that you probably would not walk with because you would be running with these other women. Right. Right. right? It's kind of funny to think about it because I run with some different girlfriends too, but there's some women that I would love to just relate with, but I, I'm a runner too. I run more because if I'm going to work out, you know, you got to sweat a little, but there are women that I would love to connect with that aren't runners. So that maybe God's just going to open some doors for you to encourage them and, and walking, you're not out of breath, so you can talk more. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I find that, well, that'll be cool. And then, you know what, maybe in a year I'll have to ask Patricia. So care, what is Carrie into these days? You know, Oh gosh, you know, what has God opened up? We'll find out. Well, at the beginning of the recovery, well, I guess not, not after the surgery, but before the surgery, when we were trying to avoid surgery, I did start taking a spin class at the gym and I loved that. Yep. Um, I really did enjoy that. I don't think that my foot could do 
that quite yet to be, to do like a really intense spin workout, but um, I really did enjoy that. So I see some of that in my future. That's cool. Um, That's a good option. Yeah. Cause you don't have to be completely weight bearing. Right. 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 Well, in cycling, I did triathlons when I first met my husband, I started doing triathlons and we knew a family who had two kids and they, the kids are probably your kid's age now, maybe a little bit older. They all had these nice road bikes. They just invested. That was what they wanted to do. And they'd yeah. go on these long rides and just really enjoyed that. So I think about, I have two kids. I think maybe in the future, mountain biking or, or cycling or something with our own kids. Yeah. So it's not hiking, but it's still, you know, it's definitely physical. Right. So. Yeah. Well, and I want to go back to something you said earlier, because you said you felt selfish in the process, but I really feel like, you have walked this path and it sounds like you've walked it really well and almost like a great example for your daughters, right? Because you're dealing with something really hard, you're in pain, you're trying to figure everything out. And so I almost see as you being a great example to them of how to endure, right? And have perseverance. I hope so. I hope so. And I think, you know, the selfish piece, I feel like that just comes from our, I think our culture Mm -hmm. um, that sort of screams at us. Like if you're doing something for yourself, like that's selfish. And when I don't think that self-care should be that way, I just, that's how I felt Mm -hmm. because I think that our culture makes makes us feel that way. Right. I think it's important just to remind women that it's, that it's not selfish, you know, that it is important to take care of ourselves because if we take care of ourselves, then we're able to be there with our family and, and do things. And in your case, you know, you're walking out something you needed to have surgery, right? It sounds like, like you tried everything else and you finally arrived at this point and you persevered through all of that. And that's just, I think that's just a great example. Thank you. you. So obviously staying healthy is important to you, right? And you've thought of some alternate activities. You've kind of already talked about maybe spin class and um, do your kids play sports and what do they, what do they play? Last week we talked to Allison and she was talking about being the mom athlete. Um, and so, you know, mm-hmm. kind of helping walk kids through this process. What does that look like for you guys? Yes. Um, so my older daughter, Sophia plays soccer and, um, she, um, they, well, both my kids also do the swim team, which just started here. So that is always an intense few weeks. We swim in this, we do summer swim, mm-hmm. so they're not year round swimmers. Um, no time for that. <laughs> Um, and so they have done that. And my younger daughter, she was a soccer player and now she is doing some field hockey and some gymnastics as well. So, um, we've got a lot going on over here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you talk to them about, um, like perseverance and, you know, working through hard things and whatever, and what do those kinds of conversations look like? Yeah. I think some of the conversations that we have a lot are, um, when they're, when there are aches and pains that they're dealing with, that they just want to use that as their opportunity to get out of it and sit on the couch and take a break. Um, we have a conversation about, are you hurt or are you injured? Mm. Because there's a difference mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, just really emphasizing that just cause when things get hard, doesn't mean that we always need to retreat mm-hmm. that sometimes that hard, we need to press through that. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But sometimes if we're injured, then that does mean that we do need to retreat. So it's like being able to distinguish between the two is something that we talk about um, here a whole bunch. That's really good. In fact, when yeah. Shanta was on the show, uh, probably about a month ago, she said something to the same effect. She said, not all pain is injury. 
Yeah. And yeah. I think this is the exact same thing that I think that's a really great distinction. Are you hurt or are you injured? I like that a lot. I think I'm going to use that. <laughs> I think you are. I think you're going to take it. <laughs> I am. I'm going to steal it. I totally am. It's a and good all steal. Listeners, you can steal it too. <laughs> it's a good steal. No, it really is with our young kids and, and, and athletics and stuff to really talk to them through it and communicate because our kids, I'm going to go, this is probably a cultural thing too, but I teach middle school and, you know, I've taught for a long time. And, you know, we just say nowadays, a lot of kids are very soft. We use the word soft, Mm. meaning that they just don't know how to push hard. They don't know how to push through things. And I'm a parent and I'll be the first to say, I will let them off the hook sometimes when I should be just be like, nope, you can do it. Let's just push through. You can do it. So um, I know in my teaching, I do that maybe just because they're not my own kids, (laughs) but um, I do think that's an interesting Um, way to look at it, but to persevere and push through. Because we did talk about this before, Patricia, but you know, there's something to be learned when you go through hard things, like when you have a really hard practice or when you couldn't just, you couldn't get the, the, the thing you're trying to get at gymnastics, the back tuck, or, or even in swimming, if their stroke is not going well and they're, and they're just struggling, you know, but when they push through and they practice and practice, they get it, you know, and then, then they can be confident. That's where self-confidence comes from. Like that I can do this. And, and you even Carrie, going through an injury like that, you're going to build a lot of self-confidence. Kind of weird to say that, but it's kind of true. Like you did something really, really hard for a year or two. And then you can look back and, and when anything else comes in your life, you will look back and be like, well, I did that. Like I had an injury in high school. I broke my fibula. And I just know looking back to those kind of things, you can be like, oh, I did that. So I can do this. You know, this isn't as hard as that, you know. So, exactly. you know, maybe something your girls will experience in their life, different things. And we can, you know, as moms, we can point them, you know, into the faithfulness of God that he's faithful and he's faithful and true, even when it's pain. Right. Pain. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's so good. So, okay. I've, I've written down a couple of things. I wrote down the fact that, um, you said one way that you get through it is that you tend to look at things optimistically, right? Positively, you look at what you can do instead of what you can't do. And I think that that's, a great distinction and something for each of us to remember in the moment, right? Because everybody has these periods of time that feel hard for one reason or another, right? Maybe it's a physical ailment. Maybe there's something going on at work or with your family. But if you look at what you can do and what you can't do, it changes your outlook. It doesn't change your circumstances, right? Like it didn't magically fix your ankle. Right. And then the idea of what, are you hurt or are you injured? I really like, I really like that. Well, before we let you go, we would love to hear something from your blooper reel, if you have a good story for us. Oh, I don't know if it's a good story, but I will say it's a race story from a few years ago. I can't even remember which year it was, but I was, um, I got up early. I was doing a half marathon up in Frederick, Maryland, and I like had some extra time here at the house this morning in the morning before I left. And so I was just stretching and just kind of like, Oh, you know, I don't necessarily need to get up there so soon. Well then when I got up towards Frederick, there was tons of traffic. They were having trouble getting people parked. And so I sat and sat and sat on the highway trying to get off at the exit. And I was totally freaking out because I had worked so hard. And so I was so rushed. And then once I got to my parking spot and then I, you know, got, in line for the porta potties because you got to do that right before you That's go, right. right before you race. And they're doing the national anthem as I'm in line for the porta potties, which is like not my style at all. And like I have been training for like months for this, and I had a time goal that I wanted to meet, and you know I was just like feeling pretty good. And I 
it was just a stressful, stressful time. So then from somewhere from the porta potty to the starting line, when I pulled my headphones out, because I do race with headphones, which I know they discourage, but I do it. Um, I, my car key must have fallen out of my little pouch. And so then when I started the race and I was, oh gosh, not very far into it. I opened up my pouch. I just felt like, gosh, that was like such a chaotic start. Let me check and make sure everything is in here. Like my gum and my starburst candies that I would have at like mile eight and mile 11, you know, just like my, my things. And I couldn't find my car key. And I was like, oh my gosh. So then I was toward the beginning of the race. I circled back because I was, I asked a guy who was like at the starting line. I'm like, if I go look for my key now, like, can I cross the starting line again? And he's like, no. And I was like, well, I think I I need to find my key. And he's like, well, if you leave the race, like you, you can't start again. And I was like, oh shoot. So I ran the whole 13 miles, like wondering where my car key was. And he's like, somebody will find it. Somebody will find it. I was like, oh my gosh, like that's putting a lot of faith in somebody. And so for the whole 13 miles, that's all I could think about. It was, I tried to distract myself, but I was really panicked because I knew that like my daughter had a soccer game that morning. So like my husband couldn't even come up to meet me, you know, at the finish line or anything. And I was just kind of like going to be on my own. And so that was, that was my deal. But then I crossed the finish line and I, my first question to any like volunteer was where's the lost and found? Where's lost and found? <laughs> like, I got to find out where's my car key. And they had not even set up the lost and found yet. So I'm guessing that just the anxiety in me made me run a little faster than I had expected that they hadn't even set up the lost and found. I don't know. But um, sure enough, they did have my car key um, and it was perfect. So now I will always safety pin my key to the inside of my pouch (laughs) so that it will never fall out. (laughs) But um, it was it was just like a frantic, chaotic situation. And um, yeah. Did you PR because you were running so much faster? No, that was not my PR, but I, um, (laughs) but it was, it was a good race. It was a good race. I don't remember what my time was for that one. I'd have to look that up, but, um, but it was a good race, but was not my PR. Oh man. That's what I was thinking. Cause you're so worried. You just ran faster. Like I just, let me just get to the finish line. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking about the race. It was all about just getting to try to find my car key because, and thank, like I always run with just the valet key. So it's like, I don't have house keys or anything like that. When I'm racing, I just carry as only what I absolutely need. Um, but yeah, I will now forever safety pin them to the inside of my little pouch, <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure it was just like running, you know, rummaging through my bag to get everything set up. Cause I was just running late and yeah. it was chaotic, but that's, well, that's my blooper. <laughs> that's good. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you being willing to come on and share your story. It sounds like it has not been an easy couple of years and, you know, dealing with the emotional part of it on top of the physical with the pain um, and then also just, you know, trying to manage everything with yourself and your family. It's a lot. And I think that there's a lot in there that a lot of people can relate to. Um, So I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, last thing, is there a woman in life who has inspired you that you would like to pass the ball to? Yes, there are two. And I'm going to say that it's my daughters. 
Um, oh, they just inspire so me to be the best version of me that I can possibly be. And um, I just love that I get a front row seat to seeing what God is doing in their lives. So it's just such a gift. And I just pass the ball to them, Sophia and Krista. Oh, I love it. Sophia and Krista. That's awesome. You know, Becky, we haven't had any teenagers on the show at some point, but that would be fun. We could have oh, a couple yeah. of the uh, have a couple of teenagers on here. Actually, you know who would be fun guests would be Sophia and Logan together. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Except he's a boy, so we can't have, we can't. Oh, Logan, I was thinking Caleb. Logan, my daughter. Yeah. I was like, Caleb, yeah. oh my gosh. Caleb, no. So, no. <laughs> Sophia and Logan are good friends. They would be hilarious. Oh, they would be fun. Okay, they would they, be fun. They can be our first. They can, oh, they can be our first be teenage, so our first teenage guests. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be fun. There would be no shortage of things to talk about. Absolutely. <laughs> so, that's Absolutely. the thing with teenage girls. <laughs> Very true. Oh, how sweet that you passed it to your daughters. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it. Cool. Well, thank you again for being on here. I really appreciate your time and willingness to share. And as always, life is a team sport and you are never alone. 